Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of She's in Tech podcast. I am Maria Loza. I am a software engineer at This Thought. I am a college graduate. I have about three years of experience now in the actual business since graduation. So it's pretty, pretty exciting, in my opinion. And you can find me on Twitter. And my handler is this, wait, hold on, at this underscore underscore Maria. Hi, my name is Daisy Nolan, and in March of 2019, I left my job in marketing to teach myself how to code. And now I am the sole front-end engineer at a company called Trigger Mesh. So I've been, as, uh, I've been a web engineer professionally for nine months, so still new and very exciting. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Daisy underscore Nolan. Hi, my name is Susan. I am currently an apprentice here at this dot. Uh, I come from a non-technical background of tour management and higher education and game design. Uh, and I recently graduated from a programming bootcamp and I'm getting my start here at this dot uh, into the coding world. And my Twitter handle is at Suki Supremo. So you can contact me there and ask me any questions. And I'm uh, Maggie Appleton. I'm um, the art director and a designer at Egghead.io, which is a place where we teach uh, JavaScript uh, through videos and articles and that sort of thing. I come from a very untechnical background. I'm a complete mix. I studied cultural anthropology and I've been a designer and illustrator for most of my career and accidentally learned development on the side and I'm very much a hobbyist, let's say, <laughs> but really love the tech industry and, and the front of the world in general. Awesome. Oh, and oh, Twitter handle is at Mappleton, so M Appleton S. I remember working my tail off to become a senior developer. I read every book I could get my hands on. I went to any conference I could and watched the videos about the things that I thought I needed to learn. And eventually I got that senior developer job. And then I realized that the rest of my career looked just like where I was now. I mean, where was the rush I got from learning? What was I supposed to do to keep growing? And then I found it. I got the chance to mentor some developers. I started a podcast and helped many more developers. I did screencasts and helped even more developers. I kind of became a dev hero. And now I want to help you become one too. And if you're looking forward to something more than doing the same thing at a different job three years from now, then join the Dev Heroes Accelerator. I'll walk you through the process of building and growing a following and finding people that you can uniquely help as you build the next stage of your career. You can learn more at devheroesaccelerator.com. I, I didn't expect the your background, Maggie. Honestly, that was a, a kind of a, a, a nice twist. Can you, just out of my own curiosity, can you like, talk more about how you got into that at the, at the beginning of anthropology? Sure, sure. Um, yeah, it's definitely a weird one. So I went to a liberal arts college in America for my undergraduate degree. And yeah, so I studied um, cultural anthropology and I specialized in digital anthropology, which is essentially understanding the culture of how we interact with computers and how digital systems work sort of on a more symbolic cultural level. And I like wrote my thesis on the quantified self movement, which is people who are obsessed with collecting data about their bodies. And this is back in like 2012, 2013. So Fitbit had just come out, you know, drawing graphs of your runs was like a, a new hot thing. So I was sort of studying how that came about historically and like why we were so obsessed with data and numbers as a culture. And I love that. And then once I graduated, it was sort of like, okay, you have an anthropology degree, like, 
good luck getting a job, you know. <laughs> My choices were graduate school or learn some practical skills. So I knew HTML and CSS just from playing around on in high school, you know, building small websites. So I sort of doubled down on learning UI design and went into more of a, a graphic design, visual design um, trajectory. And then mostly worked as an illustrator for most of my, the first bit of my career. And then joined AKED.io five years ago, I think now. And yeah, since then have become much more involved in, in JavaScript and, and the front end development world. And especially focusing on creating visual explanations of, of technology concepts to make them more accessible to people who, who aren't necessarily have, you know, a computer science degree or, or, or highly, highly technical, but are just coming to programming in order to understand the basics, right? So a lot of product managers, project managers, CEOs sort of find my material useful, I think, as well as beginning engineers. Yeah. So when I uh, started off with my education, I, I watched the talk uh, that you gave, uh, Maggie, and it was just amazing. And then I saw Dan Abramoff and you were working on a project, just JavaScript. And I had under I, like I understood JavaScript. I, you know, read a lot of books and being self-taught, I, I you know, looked at a lot of the videos in the from Egghead.io. And just JavaScript was amazing. And I loved it. And the visuals helped tremendously. So for the listeners that haven't seen your work, uh, you know, go out and, and look at Maggie's stuff because it, it, it definitely helped me grow and become a better engineer. Oh, that's great. It's really good to hear it was helpful. I mean, I definitely have to give Dan the majority of the credit on it that he really had had this idea of visually explaining JavaScript for a while. And uh, he's based here in London, too. And he took me out to coffee a few times and sort of tried to explain what was in his head and said, can you help me make it visual? Can you help me make it, you know, legible to people? So that's been a really fun project to work on, figuring out how you show something like a recursive function in a visual format. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, geez, I, I also like sign up for your newsletters just for the fact that I think it was during a company offsite or virtual offsite, I should say, because it was this year someone brought up your name and how amazing that you represent just, you know, the, the definition of tech. And I was like, okay, well, you know, there's a lot of people in today's meeting just talking about her and, you know, giving great like raves about her. So I was like, I need to look her up. And I did. And I just, I loved how, I guess, how cutesy and uh, just like very easy to understand all the technology that you were saying. And I think the latest one that I'm more intrigued on is probably because it's the, the freshest one in my brain is the API interpretation mm -hmm. with a little bot and how cute he is and it's like oh my gosh I, I understand it like I, I feel like this is something that even if you don't have a, a background in computer science it's very easy to understand and you can be like oh well if I ever hear API I can remember it's doing this you know YouTube is <laughs> getting that information because of the little bot dude going out and, and you know helping yeah but yeah thank you the butler was really cute so <laughs> I just wanted to say that to emphasize that definitely should have people look at your stuff if they're interested in just getting a little bit more information on the tech side of the world. Yeah, I'm glad that was helpful. That was one. I was mostly explaining it to myself too. Like most of the things I've drawn is, is I'll run into a topic and go, you know, I have no clue what this means. I keep asking people to explain it to me and no one really can. And I just sort of go on my own journey of trying to figure out what the thing actually means and then explain it in very, not simple, you know, not simplified, but uh, in a way that kind of gets rid of the jargon as much as possible. Awesome. So Stacey just joined us. So we're going to have her um, just give us a short intro about herself before we go into our topic of unique roles of a developer. So hey, Stacey. Hi, I'm sorry. Uh, we had contractors coming today. So I, I sincerely apologize for my unacceptable. <laughs> oh, no problem. 
I, hey, you know, it's, it's life. Uh, hi, I'm Stacey Devino. I'm a principal engineer for mobile at uh, Stitch Fix, kind of bringing up the Android game. So, but kind of a little background. I've been in mobile for about, for over 10 years now, um, specifically in Android, but I guess started with the Palm One. So just continued from there. More UI and user focused, of course, still doing backend, but yeah. A lot of artists in my family. I guess that's one way to also uh, kind of bring that up. I think that it's amazing the the overlap of artists and engineers. And that's really something, uh, especially on my mother's side, everybody's either an engineer or an artist. And I think that that's, it, it, people think it's like so different in terms of mindset. And it, it really isn't in terms of critical thinking. Very cool. And do you have a, a Twitter handle that you can share with oh, us? Oh, yes. At Does It Pew. Awesome. All right. Yeah. So we're going to start diving into our topic here of unique roles of a developer. So we, you know, especially for you guys, Maggie and Stacy, you know, having a little bit of different backgrounds, we definitely wanted to pick your brain a bit on, you know, it seems like both of you have unique starts and just what are the, the roles of a developer, right? I mean, Stacy, you kind of, you know, hit the main point where there's a lot of critical thinking that goes into these roles. And, you know, despite the different type of outputs and outcomes, it seems like there is a lot of overlap in terms of the type of thinking that you might do, the type of communication that's needed to be successful in your role. So if you guys don't mind talking about that a little bit, just kind of talking about maybe the unique nature of, you know, what you guys do and all the different roles that there are in tech. I know, especially as a new developer, you know, I haven't sunk my teeth into all the different kind of roles that are available in tech, but it seems like both of you guys have definitely varied experience where maybe you can talk a little bit about what that journey looked like for you, as well as, you know, were there things that you were surprised that were available in the tech industry that maybe you just didn't think, you know, existed before? So yeah, if Maggie and Stacy, if you guys can take it away with some of that, that'd be awesome. Sure, if you want me to... <laughs> yeah, you start. Go go for it, Maggie. Uh, I have too many opinions on it. I, try, uh, <laughs> I mean, in terms of, of the thing of like the, the possible variety of, of roles that you could take on as a developer... It's one of these interesting ones where even like the idea of a developer as like a, a job, you know, isn't that old in terms of the span of human history, right? This is a brand new industry. Like tech is, you know, only a few really decades old and becoming an established thing. So it's it's open game in in terms of like what kinds of roles develop. And I, and I love the idea that if we don't think of development as like a singular thing, like this is a one job and you have to have these skills, but instead think of it as just like a skill set you add on to other things in the same way, right? Like we teach everyone to read and we teach everyone to write and it doesn't make everyone a reader and writer in the entirety of their professional definition. But to be able to take people who are already marketers or UX designers or illustrators and give them a little bit of programming knowledge and they're allowed to take that as far as they want, right? Like you kind of can get up to speed with JavaScript and front end or a specialty like Android in, in the space of a year or two. And in the span of a, you know, 40, 50 year career, that's that's nothing. And to be able to, yeah, add it on to existing skills and remix those and see how what comes out the other side without it feeling like some prescriptive path. I think that's a really interesting idea for people to explore. And I, I guess kind of as a continuation to some of the things that Maggie said, a really good developer is someone who thinks about other people first and not necessarily just the user, but also other developers. So part of making good code is making good code that everyone can understand. And even if it is something relatively complicated, that you can put it together in a way so that it doesn't seem complicated. I'm sure we've all seen those like super long 
uh, line of regex <laughs> that somebody put together. And you're like, oh God. <laughs> but if they had taken that same regular expression and like broken it down where it was like piecemeal in some way, you could go, oh, I see that it does this and then it does this and then it does this. Right. And, and you know, as, as we go more into the uh, kind of front end, kind of middle uh, data layer transit uh, translation kind of roles, it's a, it is a little bit more uh, focused on kind of design and implementation. And I love making pretty animations, but I've done a lot of, you know, networking code and, and even written some backend and things like that. So I think that it, there's also a kind of a, a mindset around it, right? So if you think about things from a, an artist perspective, an artist has an idea in their head and they learn the skills, what that they need in order to make something real, right? And they learn those techniques. How is that necessarily any different than what developers do? They take something that they've put in their head, they learn the techniques in order to actually make it into something real. And what I what I will say is that's not something that is that's something that's true of all developers, not just ones that deal in pretty code, right? Mm-hmm. So while some people are just like, oh, I can't. I can't, you know, draw or whatever. It's like, that doesn't mean that you yourself are not an artist. Your medium is just different. Mm. And and developer roles are all about finding your niche. So a big thing that keeps me in mobile is I get to work and do different work every day. There are no boundaries to the things that I can touch. And everybody wants to kind of play in my playground. And so you can be somebody who's, kind of makes that into a like, this is my playground, get out of my playground. Or you can be kind of like, oh, you want to come over to my playground? Why don't you tell me about your playground? Let's see if there's some things we can do that are interesting over there. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so I think if you kind of just treat it as it's always an opportunity to learn, it's there's no limit to the kind of developer roles that are available to you. And don't be afraid of kind of being new. If you do it pretty often, you get a really broad knowledge set that can be really useful and in a lot of cases can be the key to moving you up because you know how the back end works. All of a sudden, you're now like eligible for all these senior uh, positions and things like that. So uh, probably went too far, but... So I will say um, what I love about just all the different people I speak like throughout this uh, coding journey is hearing all the different backgrounds. So my background was in marketing, uh, my degrees in communications. And when I was in college, I worked as a special education teaching assistant and went into tech, didn't think that either one of those would pertain to my job now. With marketing, now, you know, uh, since I do work for a startup, I look at the technical documentation for both our developers and our users, as well as I will work on the marketing sites because having that marketing background and also being a writer, um, I'm able to, to look at things and say, you know, this is how this tone of voice should be. And so with my my background of special education, I had a student that was visually impaired. And of course, this is before I knew really anything about tech. And the the student was very frustrated when they couldn't use an app that they had always used. So the visual impairment was progressive. And so just constantly getting worse. And 
the student didn't understand, like, why can't I play on this game? Like, why, why can't I use this app? And I, I mean, I just know what to say. Then when I got into tech and heard about accessibility, that is where I found my niche and just absolutely loved it. I was just like, give me more, give me more knowledge. I was diagnosed with epilepsy at the age of 16 and was told I would never be able to use a computer ever. And also like knowing what's out there, uh, you know, I'm not photosensitive. I can, <laughs> I work on computers now, but just knowing what, what's available and taking those experiences and being able to, to, to learn and grow that way. So I love hearing that there's not one way to be a developer or, you know, to be in tech and to use those like those experiences to make you better. Not everyone's going to love accessibility like I do, but you know, I'm not a, like you were saying, like artistic, I wireframe and I use Figma when I can, but as far as like the science behind the UI or, you know, designs, like, I don't know, but yeah, so it's, it's cool just seeing like the different avenues and the different experiences, how that changes people. Yeah, definitely. Hey folks, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been working a lot on figuring out how to help people become the most valuable developers on their teams or becoming the top 5% of developers in the field. If you're looking to level up, figure out how to contribute more, get the career you want, get the career that you want that will support the lifestyle you want, then you should check out the Most Valuable Dev Summit. I've invited some of my friends across the community, people that you've heard of, people that have worked on systems that you use on a daily basis, people who have invented new ways of doing things over the years in programming, and I've asked them one question, and that question is, how do you become a top 5% developer? How do you become one in 20 of the best developers out there? And so we're going to go ahead and have that conversation with them in interviews on the Most Valuable Dev Summit. And you can find that at summit.mostvaluable.dev. Oh, I just wanted to say that's amazing to hear, Daisy. And I, I think that this also brings up just a totally other topic, which is that there are so many women who leave the workforce and come back or who change and they don't want to highlight any of the positions they've ever had in their past prior to actually changing over instead of like, oh, you were an office manager and you want to be a developer? Wow, maybe you would be a really good candidate to also be sprint uh, manager for your team or you know all of these other skills that bring into like what you could actually do in the job and like any work experience is good work experience. Cause like we all kind of know the first two years of your working life is just learning how to work in an office and work collaboratively. And you already come with that. You know, I think that that just, you know, also speaks so well to uh, a number of other kind of positions that people can have and, and where and how you can find your calling. That was a beautiful story, Daisy. Yeah, it's it's amazing how much like roles there are and and tech. It's it's crazy. I think this starting at this thought, I started to realize just the scope of it is just bigger than I expected it. For example, DevRel developer relations. That's that's also a very important role that I for one didn't even hear about until coming into this um, company. So it's it's almost determining with a college background. I, I want to say that. They don't really teach you about that stuff. Also, the fact that, you know, you have to also kind of play as the role of a, a QE analyst, making sure that your stuff is, is tested and be very wary about if there's a bug, you have to like 
almost record that bug and then go and fix it and explain to your team why there was a bug. And then there's also the, the, the role of being a user advocate, you know, maybe, you know, being able to come to your tech lead and say, no, we can't use that color because that color is very hard for people to see if they have a, um, you know, a disability. And so it's stuff like that, that we're not taught, at least in college, to be aware of. And there's just so many roles that you don't have to immediately jump to the fact of, oh, you know, tech, I have to be a programmer. No, there's so much, you know, Maggie is just a, a great example in this podcast that she is a, a wonderful artist, a, a art director, and she bridges that, you know, the, the relationship of a developer and makes these wonderful art. So I, I just want to really emphasize that if anyone's listening and they're interested in tech, they don't have to, you don't have to be a programmer. There's so much, you just have to kind of, Sally, you kind of have to dig through past the, the developer coding part of it to find what exactly you, you you want. And then even then it's it's kind of crazy. And I know Susan has um, some background in, in DevRel. So I, I really would like to hear her experience in that just so our listeners can have an idea what exactly that is. Yeah. So with DevRel, I haven't officially dived into it until I became an apprentice here at this dot. I'll be honest, I had a lot of unfortunate misconceptions of the tech industry and you know, as I started this coding journey, I feel very fortunate that I've been able to surround myself with people in the industry who are true advocates of change. They understand that, you know, there's a lot of misinformation and bad information out there, but, you know, a lot of people tend to forget or overlook that even if it's just a few, there are many people out there, though, who understand that there are barriers, especially into this industry, and they want to use their skill sets and their knowledge to help people come into this field with an open mind and, you know, even outside of tech, but, you know, as a tech company, if you will, especially in tech, imposter syndrome is real. I mean, there are, I don't think I've talked to any developer who hasn't experienced some sort of self-doubt or feeling like they don't belong or feeling like they don't have the right skills. And, you know, I feel like as us being people in this industry and being very aware and acknowledging that these problems exist, We are in a great position where we can really help others kind of get out of that hole, if you will. And I really appreciate that, especially all of us and especially our guests are able to show sort of what I consider an underlying theme here, which is empathy. So being able to understand the experience, even if it's something that we haven't necessarily gone through ourselves, but understanding that, hey, it's hard to get in this industry. It's hard to learn something new. It's hard to admit and be vulnerable, if you will. So I think it's great that, you know, with developer relations, that's a unique role that bridges not only, I don't want to call it marketing necessarily, but being able to share tech information in a way that's really digestible for the general public to an extent. So, you know, one thing I really appreciate about this dot is they host a bunch of events, right? Events that, you know, typically may focus on a specific framework or language, but there is a lot of emphasis on the community. And I think for especially you guys, Maggie um, and Date and Stacey here, kind of sharing your experiences where we can't go through this alone, right? I mean, we're always having to ask for support, rely on other people, or be in a position where, you know, in this case, Maria is my mentor here at this dot, and being in that position where we can share our knowledge and share our experiences with other people. And it's interesting how both sides are able to learn from that experience, right? So I really appreciate that when it comes to developer relations, you know, I'm, you know, I personally have a little bit of contact sort of with 
the general public when it comes to this dot information and things that we're sharing and being able to read people's experiences, whether it's, hey, I'm having trouble with this coding challenge or, hey, I you know had a job interview, but I just found out I was rejected. Like being able to work with a company who openly supports people in those situations and say, like, we're like the encouraging aunt, right? Is kind of what we call it, where it's like, hey, like great job for taking that step. You know what I mean? And, you know, that's even just outside of coding. That's not necessarily writing code, but being able to communicate and understand people. And, you know, I think being able to have that empathy not only makes you a great programmer, developer, or whatnot, but just like, just a good human being, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, you know, in all of our industries, we definitely need more of that. But having advocates like Maggie and Stacy, Maria and Daisy, and all of us just being able to openly talk about these topics and, you know, tell people like, hey, these are valid questions and these are things that people want to know. So why not have this forum to share that experience? So, you know, developer relations is very much like that, where we're openly trying to provide a safe space for people to talk about that. So, you know, an extension of that is this podcast, for example, and different things like JavaScript Marathon and other events that this dot and other companies host. Um, so I think, you know, it, developer relations just bridges a lot more than just the coding side, but just creating a community and telling people like, hey, you, your feelings are valid, your experiences are valid. And if you need help or support, let us know, you know? So I really appreciate that you guys um, are sharing all your experiences. And I know our listeners will definitely relate at least to some capacity. So that's awesome. And I, I'm going to go ahead and say like, you don't have to be a formal uh DevRel role to share your experiences or to do a lot in the community, especially along those lines. You'll find that a lot of your uh, favorite community folks have a day job where they do a lot of, you know, uh, day-to-day work and develop the kind of helping content um, on the side because they purely love to. So don't feel that there's any kind of barrier for for sharing, but DevRel folks can be extremely helpful, especially if you're working on a specific problem. And uh, if I know anything about my friends in DevRel, they love feedback and they love actionable items. So if you find issues, bugs, whatever, don't be afraid to file a bug report. (laughs) Don't be afraid to hit somebody's Twitter DMs, you know? (laughs) I do do have a question uh, more directed to Maggie. I'm kind of circling back to your background, what advice would you give to, I guess, beginners or anyone who's interested in getting going into tech, but with a art background, you know, focusing on, I want to work with art, but I want to work, you know, someone in tech or, you know, in the world of tech. Well, I mean, anyone with an, uh, either an art background or it even, I would even classify anything that isn't like maybe a liberal arts background or almost anything that they think is doesn't fit with tech to definitely explore ways that it does because it's one of those where I mean people everyone here has already mentioned right as you've come from different backgrounds there's often a, a desire to sort of draw a strict line and be like okay that was past me and new me is now a developer and I'm doing this boot camp and it's a total you know right turn and it's different but it's much more interesting to think about how if you came from like a psychology background how that intertwines with tech or if you came from an economics background how is that a niche because Domain expertise in one of those combined with development is going to make you much more valuable to a company and not just a company, you know, community and, and other people, you know, companies are sort of tangential to that equation. 
but being able to combine dev with some other specialty you have makes you much more interesting and valuable than just straight dev. So, and that definitely goes for art and illustration, right? Like I, I think there's an enormous, or it's, it's like a completely underdeveloped field, the, the overlap of those two. We have, you know, SVG and we have animation. It's all very new and figuring out how to use code to make interesting visuals or use visuals to explain code. There's lots of ways you can arrange that equation. But I think the field is incredibly underdeveloped and there's so much space for people to come in and, and try to work in it and, and move it forward that, I, yeah, I think especially if you have an art background, you should get into tech and, and try to move it forward. I think this is going to be huge with a lot of the declarative UI frameworks becoming standard. We're going to probably get to a near evolution point where uh, at least the front end code is going to be a lot more copy paste and moving elements around rather than, or we're going to also come down to like a system where developers are going to make declarative UI that automatically generates uh, whatever is served through the uh, back end, which is all built by uh, UX and, and UI designers. So uh, we're, we're not far from that convergence is my thought because I've built systems that do that which means if I've done it a couple times, that that to me means that it's it's going to become a mainstream technology. And that means there's going to be jobs. What an exciting time. Yeah, definitely. Hey, folks, this is Charles Maxwood, and I just launched my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. It's up on Amazon. We self-published it. I would love your support. If you want to go check it out, you can find it there. The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. Have a good one. Max out. Speaking of time, <laughs> it's time for us to switch over to staff picks. So I'll go ahead and just show off what I have, which is, a, oh, it's green, so it's not going to pick up. <laughs> okay, so it's a stress ball, but it's in the shape of an avocado. Every avocado. <laughs> so I have it on my, my desk every day, and it's I, I use it every day, and sometimes I don't realize it, but it helps me get through, especially with the harder times of uh, code when you're just wanting to bang your head against the wall and it's like okay no I have my squishy so I'm gonna go ahead and just like okay here's my squish in one hand let me try to figure it out with my other hand so that is my staff pick and I don't know I, I really love my my avocado stress ball that's so cool I need to get a stress ball because yes work gets stressful right um so mine is so the last call I did I talked about my husband and I trying to find new like date ideas for like during the pandemic and during lockdowns, right? So this call, I'm talking about Hunt a Killer Box. So my husband got that for me for Valentine's Day. And it's absolutely like just so much fun. So he did a six month subscription where they send you clues and you're trying to solve a mystery. Actually, it's a murder. And in like six months. So like each month, they're going to give you more and more clues that's going to build up on your case. It's something that like we love because we love doing escape rooms when things are open. So yeah, that's my my pick is if you're looking for something to do, um, it's, you know, with the whole family or with a partner, I, I recommend uh, looking at Hunt a Killer. Very fun. So my pick is we're going to switch it over to snacks because I love snacks, which is kind of a problem, but snacks are awesome. So I recently tried these Lay's chips that are called Flamin' Hot Dill Pickle. And like, I usually don't like pickles that much. I feel like the pickle, like the sour flavor of pickles is like almost 
like aggressively American. Like it's just very, reminds me of like American barbecue, which I love as well, but I don't know what it is. It's just something different than I would usually eat. So it's like in these like light purple bags, flaming hot dill pickle, a bit spicy. So if you're looking for something like that, I would highly recommend. Um, uh, I guess well, I'll I go with mine. Oh, go ahead. No, no, jump in, Stacey. Yeah, go ahead, Maggie. Go. <laughs> no, no, we're gonna oh, this game are we going to have a polite fight? Like, no, are we having are a polite fight? fight? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give Maggie the final spat spotlight. That'll be <laughs> that's the that's the give up here. <laughs> so I'm gonna actually plug this book. It's called The Developer Playbook uh, by Lauren Hassan. She's a close friend of mine and this book comes out at the end of February and physical copies I believe go on sale on IWD uh, so that's March 8th but I'm actually on my third read and uh, if you're not familiar with developer developer is a like women in tech advocacy uh, kind of community platform I guess uh, recognized by actually like the UN and a bunch of like awards and stuff but she kind of goes through everything from changing things in your career and not being afraid to kind of explore new opportunities and also how to take inventory of whether or not you're kind of getting what you want out of your career kind of a big shock that happened to her was someone she hired and she was training was making significantly more money than she was in an entry-level position you know, all the kind of things <laughs> that go along with that. But uh, she also covers some things around uh, negotiation and effective negotiation tips, which I did her negotiator course a long time ago uh, with a prior job. And it really helped me get a lot more money uh, <laughs> than, than I probably, well, than I absolutely would have gotten. So yeah, just like how to advocate for yourself, how to... Uh, and it's not even just like, you know, just for women uh, kind of thing. It's, you know, anybody, I would say, especially working in the tech space. That sounds great. I love I love book shares. That one sounds so good. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> I'm going to do a, I'm going to do a book share for my pick as well, which is a book I've been reading called Speculative Everything. And it's written by two designers. Um, and they're also sort of anthropologist interaction designers. They're one of these, like they fall at the intersection of quite a few things. And it's it's a book about imagining alternative futures, not necessarily in the sci-fi way, but in a more realistic way that talks a lot about design and how we practice imagining different sorts of alternative realities for ourselves. Um, and it's one, the sort of thinking I, I kind of wish was more spoken about in the developer world, only because it's a community of people who have the ability to build things. Because usually it's just a bunch of like, consultants talking about this stuff who can't build anything themselves or don't have any design skills to make it happen and I would love to see developers rather than always building someone else's idea do a bit more of that even if it's on small side projects self-directed you know fun speculative play for things they really care about that's awesome do you mind repeating the title again for me sure sure it's called speculative everything and it's by Anthony Dunn and Fiona Raby awesome yeah I'm so excited for the two books that you guys mentioned because I personally have not heard of them and I don't think I've found many tech books that I felt like I was engaged in and felt like, hey, these are things I can really apply for myself. Um, so thank you guys for sharing those because those sound really exciting. Yes, no, thank you so much. I definitely will be looking at those too. <laughs> so just to kind of wrap up our podcast today, I just want to remind everyone who everyone is. So I'll start off by saying that again, I'm Maria Loza. I work for Distot as a software engineer. I work mainly with a lit element. So I forgot to mention that at the beginning. 
But if you're interested in um, more conversations with me, you can find me at Twitter. My uh, my handler is at this underscore underscore Maria. Hi, and uh, my name is Daisy Nolan. And kind of what I work with is React and Vue and TypeScript. Um, I do have a TypeScript course uh, for beginners. Yeah, if you want to follow me or talk to me and learn more about accessibility, uh, my handle is at Daisy. That's with a D, D-A-C-E-Y underscore Nolan, N-O-L-A-N. And again, I'm Susan, currently an apprentice here at This Thought. If you only know me for the flame and hot dill pickle chips, that's totally fine too. Uh, but you can catch me on Twitter at Suki Supremo. I'm Maggie Appleton. I, I'm an art director and designer at um, Egghead.io. You can find most of my stuff on maggieappleton.com. I, I write a lot about anthropology and programming and the overlap of those two there. And my Twitter is at Mappletons. And I'm Stacey Devino. I'm a principal uh, Android engineer at Stitch Fix. And you can find me at Does It Pew, all one word. Thank you, everyone. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to this podcast. And we hope to have you come back again next week. Have a good day, everyone. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.